This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. As a healthcare provider, being able to communicate effectively is important. Much has been written and taught regarding communication between the provider and the patient, but not as much regarding effective communication between coworkers. To discuss this topic, we're joined by a colleague and friend of mine, Dr. Katie Arndt, an obstetric anesthesiologist and division chair of anesthesia at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Katie, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Daryl. Glad to be here. You gave what turned out to be a very effective presentation at a recent CME conference on communication in the workplace. Let's discuss some of the content of that presentation. First, you spoke about communication humility. What exactly is that? Sure. So, Daryl, first of all, I, I am an expert personally in communication humility because I personally have a lot to be humble about when it comes to communication. Um, as an anesthesiologist, sometimes I tend to want to move quickly and be impatient and not necessarily listen. As working in OB, women need to be listened to all the time. So overall, be, being humble means being able to look back on ourselves, to recognize our imperfections in communication, and to continuously want to improve. As far as communication, humility, and what communication science defines it as, it's generally listening more and talking less. Being willing to ask for input and assistance from those around you. And instead of debating with your colleagues, engaging in real dialogue with your colleagues. Knowing what you don't know and being willing to say that you're not an expert in, in everything and, and sharing our own mistakes as teachable moments. I like to think of it as a sort of radical non-defensiveness. Interesting. Now, you mentioned listening. I personally think that listening is one of the most important components of good communication, whether we're talking with patients, coworkers, spouses, whoever. Um, and there's so many distractions that we have for communication and problems with listening. Um, I know at home, my wife thinks it's hilarious that I teach communication because she doesn't think I listen to her, but in my defense, I hear her talking to me when I'm across the house and in another room, so it's, I think there's something to that. <laughs> but how is listening an issue with coworkers? Well, we often don't stop to listen to our coworkers or even think about how we listen to our coworkers. In general, I would say most of us don't even think about how we listen. Daryl, you and I were in a uh, communication and healthcare faculty where we used to do exercises in active listening. I remember that. And our exercises involved making yourself sit for one minute and listen to another person. And I don't know if you know this, but that was extraordinarily difficult for me. I wanted to cut in. I wanted to s share a story about myself and, and so on. And and doing those types of exercises can can be important and can actually show us how difficult it is to listen well. But our coworkers stopping and listening to our coworkers is really important in creating a team. And one thing we know about in anesthesia is that teamwork equals patient safety. Mm -hmm. And as we build our teams and we build our teams to be relationship centered, that involves knowing each other and really being able to listen to each other. Yeah. 
we're talking about listening, and I know it's important with coworkers. It's important with patients. And I've got an interesting story that involved my maybe lack of listening. Uh, I was taking a medical history from a patient, and we were uh, talking about the family history. And the patient was talking about his daughter and some condition she had. And I was entering that in the electronic record. Uh, there was a pause in our communication as I was doing this. And then he switched subjects and started talking about his dog. However, I assumed he was still talking about his daughter. <laughs> and he asked me what causes dilated bile ducts. And I knew several things that can do that, but I didn't want to tell them because most of them were pretty bad things. So I said, I'm, I don't know. It's, you know. it's a complicated topic. And then he said, she's not eating very much and she's losing weight. And that kind of confirmed my suspicion. And then, she, and then he said, she's only eating canned dog food. <laughs> then I got very curious. And I said, what? And he said, and if she doesn't start eating, we're going to have to put her down. So I questioned him. He said, no, it's not my daughter. It's my dog. <laughs> so apparently I have some issues with listening as well. But you also spoke about emotional intelligence. Explain what that is. Well... Emotional intelligence is it's really the ability to identify and assess and, and manage the emotions of yourself as, as well as being able, those of those around you and, and of, a, of a group in general. Um, most people would say that there are kind of four various components of emotional intelligence. One is this self-awareness, um, kind of having some emotional insight. The next is your, your self-management. Um, being able to you know manage yourself, um, having some balance and, and resilience. Um, the next would just be empathy, and that's where that listening comes in. And finally, relationship skills in in, in general, um, being a clear communicator and team play. So those are kind of the components that that have um, been kind of identified to be a major part of emotional intelligence. But you know, I have a, a story that I told at this CME conference um, that is kind of showing where I lack in emotional intelligence um, and how that can affect my communication personally. If you're if you're interested please, in hearing please. it, it, it can only top my story. <laughs> All right. It was one of those days that in OB anesthesia um, come along every once in a while, but they're the kind of days where. You realize why you are you do the job you do, and and that is to sometimes actually save a life. And it was this situation was a, a woman with an uh, that ended up uh, bleeding heavily, and we ended up resuscitating her. And oh, Daryl, our team communication was amazing. We used all the concepts of crew resource management and clear communication with each other, and we worked and worked and. I mean, we were absolutely exhausted, and um, after uh, a, a significant uh, resuscitation, um, this uh, we were able to resuscitate this woman. Her baby did well. She did well. It was quite amazing. And But the day wasn't over, because as the day continued on, we continued to have um, obstetric emergencies. And honestly, by the time I went home, I, I thought that I had... Um, was absolutely exhausted, but I had thought, you know what, I can't, we, we did it. Our team did it today. This was absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of us. And I got home and I walk in the door and there's my daughter sitting at the table. I said, hi, Elizabeth. And she said, hi, mom. And she says to me, you know, I was, I was invited to homecoming today. Oh, so my mind was way away from homecoming. I, I didn't even know. I said, do eighth grade, ninth graders even go to homecoming? 
He says, yeah. I said, well, where, what is it? What, when is it? Oh my gosh, do we need to get you a dress? And she says, I already picked one out. And at that point, she shows a computer of probably the skimpiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I looked at that computer uh, picture and I said, you've got to be kidding me. You are not wearing that. So here I go flipping from my work day into my home life. And he says, she says, it's what girls wear. And, and here, look at this Instagram from the pictures from last year from some of my friends. And I looked at the picture that are friends of what some of her people that she knew wore. Oh my God, they look like, and I'm not going to say what I said. And Elizabeth immediately you know, you, you don't understand, mom. They're good people. You're so mean. I hate you. And she runs off. All right. So here we go. We go from really working hard at our teamwork, home, this communication, and then coming home, letting down and having the inability to emotionally manage myself. Yeah. Right. And with that, I absolutely crumbled. I burned a bridge, a time that I could have come together with my child. Yeah. It burned. And I think that as physicians, so many of us can relate to giving our best, putting our best foot forward at work, and then coming home and, and things just deteriorating as far as our communication skills. Yeah, I think we pay particular attention to doing a good job at work, mm -hmm. and then once that's over, we kind of forget that we need to continue those same skills in our outside life. Yeah, because it actually takes energy, mm -hmm. and, and it, takes, it takes work to be a good communicator. Right. And perhaps maybe some of the people that deserve it the most are our children yeah. and our spouses. You mentioned something earlier I want to go back to, and that's you mentioned empathy. Mm -hmm. And I know we teach showing empathy to our patients, but how do we show empathy to our coworkers? Mm. I think it's interesting. Empathy can be broken down into two different types of, of empathy. One, um, this idea of cognitive empathy, and, and one, of course, is the traditional thinking of which is, which is affective empathy. And with cognitive empathy, that is, you know, the ability to understand someone else's perspective. And when we're talking about communication in the workplace, that's really important, especially if you're in any form of a leadership position, which most physicians are leading something. Um, and to be able to see and listen to somebody else's and see something from their point of view, I, I think is really important. Affective empathy, this idea of having an emotional connection, that's what we traditionally think about. I think that cognitive is as important, um, especially in a workplace. Mm -hmm. Are you a PA preparing for your upcoming boards? Are you an NP looking to get an inclusive review to improve your practice? Join us for our comprehensive Physician Assistant Board Review course. This course is designed to help with initial and recertification examinations and to provide a relevant review for daily practice. This vital course will be held in the historic Mayo Clinic campus in downtown Rochester, Minnesota from July 30th through August 2nd. Hurry as early bird pricing ends April 30th. For complete course information and to register, visit ce.mayo.edu. Join us here weekly at Mayo Clinic Talks as we discuss best practices and burning questions. Subscribe today using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Now you mentioned leadership, and I know you've, you have held, and I think continued, you're still division chair of anesthesia, correct? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a division chair. There's multiple division chairs in our department, right. but we have 172 anesthesiologists. So we have a big, big group. We have big an, group. Um, yeah, yeah. What, how does 
communication play a role in leadership? Mm. Um, I've, I've held some leadership positions, and I have my thoughts, and I'll give them to you, but how does good communication affect leadership? So my current chair is actually probably a walking example of communication humility. And to give you an example of some of the things that I observe with him, Daryl, is I'll be, we'll be in a meeting, and he leads the meeting with questions. Mm-hmm. So instead of using the meeting time for him to, to relay or tell information to the group, which is oftentimes what a meeting is done, used for, he uses that time to listen. And, 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 uh, and, but he's still leading, and it is absolutely artful. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see somebody that has a lot of communication humility, it's almost transparent. And, but you can feel that team, and as you step away, you can realize where this team has gone. It almost gives a sense of leading from behind or leading from within, yep. but it doesn't have a lot of hmm, kind of that kind of traditional macho leadership sort of sense to it at all. Right. I've been around here for a long time and have held some leadership positions, but I've also had the opportunity to observe leaders. Some I've identified as excellent leaders and others not so good. So I've tried to take the good parts of what I've seen and incorporate them into my style. But what I've found is a good leader listens to others more than they speak Mm -hmm. and gets everybody Mm -hmm. involved, especially if you're in a committee uh, or a team. And the less talking sometimes the leader does, uh, I think they're more effective that way than trying to dominate the conversation. Mm-hmm. I totally, I totally agree with you with communication. The other thing that that leaders do really good, leaders that display this, you know, um, amazing uh, communication humility is they they don't necessarily within, allow groups to climb ladders of inference. Explain that. So, when we are looking, um, when we look at the world, we're all looking at the world from only our perspective. We can possibly not. Um, uh, be able to see the world through somebody's eyes. And so we have we all have the same available data that we could potentially see about, say, a learner that mm-hmm. we're trying to evaluate. But all of us select particular data, and then we make assumptions based on that data that we select and then draw conclusions, and then we create our beliefs and we, uh, we you know, have actions based upon those beliefs. And those beliefs affect which data we select next. And so as a result, we can continue, we can start to create a story, we can start to climb a ladder about somebody. So we've labeled somebody as sort of lazy, and then we only select out the data which confirms the fact that this person is lazy. And then we climb that ladder and we climb that ladder and this person is never given an, a fair chance. And groups do this all the time. And, and a great leader will con- continue to ask those questions to come back to that full pool of available data and to challenge the group to not necessarily climb those ladders, but to continue to see the world from a, if you could say, more accurate uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. And I imagine some of that uh, impression is obtained very early in the uh, interaction between the two. So first impressions are important, but that could be incorrect. So I think it is important to continue to ask questions, to listen to these individuals. So you may be wrong in terms of your actual impression of them. Oh, and that goes right down into your biases and your assumptions. Let's talk about that. 
yeah. we have biases. We all have biases. Some mm-hmm. we don't even realize. Mm-hmm. How do we recognize our biases and how do we deal with them? Yeah. So again, here we go back to communication, humility, to say that the way I see the world may not be the perfect way. It's not the only way. And as we as we look at the world, I think, and we meet individuals, I think we just have to continue to create an open mind. Nobody can completely eliminate their biases, but I think it's what you, Daryl, once told me, it's a starting point sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a starting point. Um, you can create some ideas, so you see somebody and they look like they have yellow skin. You're not all of a sudden going to jump to the fact that they've got pancreatic cancer necessarily. Mm-hmm. You're going to say, oh, but they're not, you're not going to ignore the fact that they're jaundiced. It's part of their, part of their appearance. Um, and you, but you're also not going to, um, to necessarily jump all the way to, the, to a diagnosis. With people, I don't think we ever want to go to diagnoses. I think we want to keep that, our mind completely open all the time, willing, allowing them to continuously um, not be pigeonholed within mm-hmm. our brain. Uh, I, I myself, I think, um, have to work really hard at that, uh, especially if you've had a specific negative interaction with somebody um, that happens to display particular characteristics. But it brings up the importance of nonverbal communication. Mm, mm-hmm. What we do with our eyes, how much attention we show those we're talking to, uh, what we do with our hand gestures, uh, our facial movements, mm-hmm. uh, all of that is interpreted by others as communication, probably more so than what we often say in terms of the spoken word. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 within teams and with our coworkers, that matters just as much. To go back just for a minute to biases and assumptions, I think one of the things that's really important is that brings up, um, uh, that brings up the ideas of privilege and race. Um, and I would never want to leave that idea of biases and assumptions without recognizing that um, there are people within our society who have a much harder road to hoe than, than others. And um, that uh, recognizing that and being aware of that in all our interactions and being sensitive to that is extremely important. Very true. Very true. Last topic I want to discuss just a little bit is something else you mentioned in your presentation, and that's about building a relationship with your coworkers. Mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. do that? Yeah, so I think I, I think as we're, you know, there's v- various ways, but I, I kind of think of it as is one of the things that's that's absolutely central to it is your self management. Mm-hmm. You know, you come to work every day, and it's it's really hard, and especially for somebody like me, I tend to be quite an emotional person at times. I tend to be a high energy person. I can be up and so on and so forth, and um. So being able to manage yourself and your energy level and your what you're saying and um, your actions is, is really important. And, and then going around that, you then have this uh, self-awareness, um, then demonstration of, of, of empathy and humility, um, really working to see the perspective from the work from the perspective of your coworkers, building your relationship with language. Um, and, and then displaying active listening whenever you can. Um, and, and all of that kind of coming together to try to, uh, at any given day, continuously be a part of the solution, being a, being a part of everything you're doing is building your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we teach relationship building with our providers to deal with their patients, we use uh, the relationship building tool, the acronym PEARLS, mm-hmm. P for partnership, E, empathy, A, apology, R, uh, respect, respect mm-hmm. legitimization, and S, support. 
Does that work with our coworkers? Absolutely. Too? And I I love I love that acronym and I use it. I, I personally use it when I start to feel my emotions rise. So I have little things that I can sense about myself. I sometimes I can I can feel kind of my face gets a little bit warm and my heart starts to race. I get a little sweaty and I realize I'm having an emotional reaction to something somebody's saying and I think is there a way for me to build this, to build a relationship here versus destroying it? And so I go through that acronym in my head. Is there a way for me to partner with this person? Is this a way for me to show empathy? Do I need to apologize for something? How can I show this person that I respect them? Are they feeling disrespected and can I show them? Maybe we need to legitimize the actual issue that we've got here and how can we support each other? So I think that that takes me out of my emotional realm and puts me more into a cognitive realm in order to really start to to manage my myself. Mm-hmm. So in summary, a lot of the tools that we use to communicate effectively with our patients, we use or we should be using with our coworkers, our family, our friends, mm-hmm. and so forth. They're very similar. Absolutely. Yeah, it is really similar. And I think that some of the things can really become habits. But um, it's hard. It's hard to create behavior change, especially when it comes to our communication skills, because how we communicate is intimately tied to who we are. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about communications with our coworkers with Dr. Katie Arndt, an obstetric anesthesiologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Katie, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. Thanks, Daryl. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.